The only thing required for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. We discuss that today on The Grid. The Grid, a digital frontier. I pictured patriots as they moved throughout our country. Do they look like individuals or small business? Were the rallies like church? I keep dreaming of a world I hope to one day see. And then, today, I got in. Hello, fellow Americans. This is Chris Coleman, your host with the Kingdom Patriot Group. Welcome to The Grid, where faith, politics, and commerce intersect. America First Insurance Group. These guys have become an official sponsor of The Grid, therefore supporting the work that we do here at the Kingdom Patriot Group. Ensuring your life, protecting your liberty. It's so important for our audience to know that there's an insurance group out there that is working in such a way that any profits that they might donate are not going to go to liberal causes. America First Insurance Group. We have contact information in the show notes. So if you want to quote, check out our show notes. Welcome to this week's news and review. Fellow patriots, I come to you today from a hotel in the midst of my travels. But even while gone, I'm thinking of news that is important to you. And my first story this week, and in my opinion, it's probably the most important, involves the courts, Title IX, and insanity, or at least in the past, insanity. So back at the end of December, the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals actually published an opinion that was shocking to many parents, but in a good way. The case was Adams versus the School Board of St. John's County. And the appellate court held that the school board's policy of segregating bathrooms based on a student's biological sex, so that was their policy, like you can only go to the bathroom based on your biological sex, they determined that this did not violate the law because a student does not have a constitutional or statutory right under Title IX of the Education Amendments of 1972 to use the bathroom of the opposite sex. Instead, the student must use the bathroom comporting with the student's biological sex or a single stall neutral bathroom at the school. Now, this is a huge win for the rule of law and the parents in St. John's County, Florida. But parents across the United States are going, holy cows, this is fantastic, because if the Supreme Court accepts this case, well, I should rephrase that, the Supreme Court is definitely going to accept this case, I believe, if it is appealed. And that's because the Adams decision is in direct conflict with a 2020 Fourth Circuit decision, and that's often when the Supreme Court will actually accept a case is when there's two lower courts who are in complete opposition. So to understand a bit of history of this, you have to understand Title IX. Title IX is the regulation, the act, the law that addresses discrimination based on sex, male and female. Well, the left has had a radical push for years to expand the de definition to that for Title IX to not only include biological sex, but also a person's gender identity. And this absolutely went crazy and mainstream during the Obama administration. In fact, in 2014, the Department of Education and the Office of Civil Rights, they created a guidance document that interpreted sex discrimination to not only include a person's biological sex, but also claims of discrimination based on gender identity. And so as this opinion in this court came out, it further held that because the ordinary meaning of sex when Title IX was passed was unambiguously biological sex, therefore sex-segregated bathrooms allowable under Title IX meant biological sex only. And finally, in this opinion, they held that Title IX was passed pursuant to the spending power of Congress 
I guess, funding for local schools provided that they comply with Title IX. The reason why this is important is because the Obama administration made a move that if the schools did not comply with this expanded definition of Title IX, then they could withhold federal funds from the school. And for most public schools, federal funding is the lifeblood of that educational building, so to speak. So this is huge. It, it, it cannot be overstated how monumental this decision is. We'll see what the Supreme Court does with this. If they accept, I'm, I'm positive they're going to accept it, and we'll see how they interpret it. But anyway, I thought that was maybe the biggest story that came out this week that really wasn't mainstream. Heading to the next story, it involves the Food and Drug Administration. On Monday, they actually proposed that COVID-19 vaccines become like the annual flu shot and that many Americans receive them in order to protect the different mutations. And this proposal aims to, quote unquote, simplify future vaccination efforts. Because under this strategy, most adults and children would get a once a year booster, a once a year shot, instead of having to keep track of the boosters and everything else they've received. It's not surprising to me that the FDA would go in this direction. What is surprising is, in fact, the agenda behind it. And I want you to read this little comment that came out of the Fox News story. Ultimately, FDA officials say moving to an annual schedule would make it easier to promote future vaccination campaigns, which would ultimately boost vaccination rates nationwide. And I read in several other articles, the FDA was frustrated they couldn't get Americans to get these subsequent boosters of the COVID vaccine. So what are they doing? They're just going to change how they roll this out. Instead of the boosters and requiring them as they come out, they're just going to make it an annual shot. I think it's completely sinister. Okay, we really can't even go a week without Kamala Harris taking heat for something that she says. Deservedly so, I might say. And of course, she had a speech. She was given some comments in which she cited the Declaration of Independence. She talked about the right to liberty and the pursuit of happiness. She left out the right to life. Do you think that's intentional? Do you think that's unintentional? Now, for most people, I'd say that's pretty intentional. With her, I'm not so sure because really, I think my fence post probably has more intelligible words coming out of it than Kamala Harris. But I digress. She definitely did not say that we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness we see in the Declaration of Independence. So just thought I would throw that out there. Kamala Harris once again in the news with the words that she said and the words that she didn't say. Here's one that's really disturbing, and it's regarding a satanic golden Medusa abortion statue just outside New York, uh, New York City Courthouse. So the statue actually stands on the roof of a state courthouse, which is interesting to me because normally we think of hierarchy when we think of things up in the air. So to me, it almost feels like the courthouse in many ways is subservient to this particular ideal. But that's just my opinion. So this statue stands on the roof of the state courthouse right next to statues of Moses, Confucius, and Zoroaster. Now, and this statue is referred to as the Now Statue, and in the words of the, its so-called artist, Shazi Sikander, listen to this. This is how he describes the statue. It's part of an urgent and necessary cultural reckoning underway as New York reconsiders traditional representations of power in public spaces and recasts civic structures to better reflect 21st century social norms. I have no idea what that means other than I'm not normal and the 21st century, we want to celebrate all the things that's sinful, so I'm going to make a statue in which we do so. That's how I interpret this. But to me, this also brings up a question of whether or not there should be limits on freedom of speech. And constitutionally, I have to tell you, I think there should be very few. However, biblically, morally, the answer is absolutely. I've long said that society's culture is not shaped by regulation. Rather, it's regulation that is shaped by culture. 
And the fact that some in the community are okay with this, this type of free speech, is very disturbing. It's very grieving to me. Although the, the article that I read did say that there were a lot of people that just kind of went bonkers over it because they thought this is, this is absolutely crazy. And speaking of crazy, Minnesota is another state that passes an abortion bill that opponents are calling the most extreme in the nation. Fellow patriots, this is just like Michigan. It's making abortion legal up and to the point of birth. This is the backlash from the Dobbs decision that overturned Roe v. Wade. The states that are blue are actually now turning red. That's blood red because the blood of the unborn is on their hands. This fight is not over. We cannot give up. The God of Molech, the God in which the people sacrificed their sons and daughters to on the altar, that particular God, that spirit, that detestable practice is running rampant in these blue states, and we must fight on our knees in prayer with our pen by voting and our voices whenever possible. Okay, and lastly, the story, while I might not say it's the most important, it's certainly the one that got the most headlines this week, involves Tyree Nichols. And yes, certainly a tragedy, and more and more facts will come out about this, but it appears the 29-year-old black man did not deserve to die. That seems pretty apparent from the body cam footage. The footage shows the officers punching, kicking, pepper spraying, and tasing Nichols, who is a 29-year-old father and delivery driver, uh, following a traffic stop on January the 7th. This should never have happened. And I've already heard the cries of racism, white supremacy, defund the police, etc. All the same narratives are running rampant. There's only one problem. The five police officers were actually black. So how can that be racism unless it's self-inflicted racism? This beating is way worse than George Floyd, as George was actually a criminal who also had mental illness and was completely doped up on fentanyl. I'm curious, where is Jesse Jackson? Where's Al Sharpton? Where are these supposed civil rights leaders? I'll tell you where they are. They're mostly silent because this issue doesn't fit the narrative. They are not concerned with each human life. They are interested in stoking the argument about racism in the police force and the systemic racism in systems that we must now tear down. But black-on-black -black violence is not going to be talked about. These police officers, from what I can tell, should go to prison, and they likely will. I want to know how we're going to make sure this doesn't happen again. I want to know how we make sure that we're hiring high-character individuals for law enforcement that will not result in life-taking violence when force appears to not have been necessary. That's really the story. Folks, for this week's News & Review, that's a wrap. So today's topic is brought to you because one of our listeners sent me a message, and it was a very good message. This listener expressed how overwhelming the state of our country is, and when we talk about these world events or these events going on in politics, that it can be literally paralyzing. It's so much information that it just brings about this question, what can I do? Exactly, how can I have my voice heard and join the fight for faith and freedom? So when we call people to that, what does that mean and how can people help? Well, this question really resonated with me and I thought, you know what? We really should do a podcast and talk about some of those things. So I want to thank that listener for sending in that comment. And I want to share quite a few ways that I think we can get involved to put a little of meat on that bone, so to speak. So the very first thing that I would tell you is get to know who your local legislators and politicians are. So often it's the national legislators, it's the Senate races, the House races that get attention, that get all this national media attention, but it's locally where you can really have the most impact. 
Go to your state's website, and it should be pretty easy to figure out who your state reps and senators are. But it's even more than that. Know who your local governing officials are, your judges, your mayor, your city council men and women, and especially your school board members. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Now, if you figure that out, who they are, now you got to figure out how to get in touch with them and actually make them where they hear you and listen to your voice. And this is important because just because you know who they are, they likely don't know you, even though they should. So one of the best ways is to actually get to know the staff. The staff are the gatekeepers to the politicians, the secretaries, the clerks, the folks that are on that front line. Treat them well, and likely they will reciprocate. Some officials like you to email. Some want to see your face, but don't be a stranger. Be willing to attend gatherings in which your officials are at. One congressman actually said, I don't ever look at Facebook or Twitter except to remove harassing or inappropriate comments. Letters are better than emails. Taking up a cause is even better, especially if it's something that is near and dear to the heart of that elected official. So that's important information. We rant and we we complain on Facebook and Twitter, but it doesn't really sound like politicians really pay a whole lot of attention to that. Again, it's more of a personal connection. Here's another thing you can do is to attend town hall meetings. A town hall is where you can be in person, can actually make your voice heard, because you can be in front of those politicians, in front of an audience, and you can actually do something by asking a question. There'll usually be a schedule of town hall meetings on the websites of your local folks, or you can even check out your city's website. But don't just attend and be silent. Like I said, ask questions, make your voice heard, mingle with all the people there, including the officials. This is hard because I know I, I'm an introvert at heart, but those conversations are critical. They're always something to fall back on. Can you imagine down the road saying, hey, Mr. Mayor, do you remember at the town hall when I asked you about the millage for this new road? It always allows you to create that connection. So similar to town halls, attend your city council meetings. City councils are places where you can really get, I would say, an up-close and personal view of what's important in your local area, what's important in your city. It's also important because you'll find that city council normally has quite a bit of power. In fact, where I live, they have significant influence, including the Department of Health and the elected official or appointed official who governs some of those policies in our community, especially as it related to COVID-19. It became a pretty strong point of contention in our community because of the guidance that was given by the local health department in relation to schools. Speaking of schools, here's another one. Get to know your local school board. Even if you don't have school-age kids, or if, let's say, you homeschool like we have, there's no better way to have significant, long-lasting impact than to get to know your school board and attend those meetings. Kids are very impressionable at this age because their prefrontal cortex is not fully developed. Do you want school boards that place your values front and center, or are they pushing a different agenda? I just saw an article this morning that schools need to do to focus focus less on academics and more on social and emotional learning. I was like, are you kidding me? If you cared all about your kids growing up to be healthy, productive, God-fearing citizens, this should make the hair on the back of your neck stand straight up. You see, academics are concrete, and they're tangible, and they're universal. When I say that, if we're truly teaching math, we may have different ways we teach it, but it doesn't really matter what school you go to, 2 plus 2 equals 4, because it's purely academic. But if you start talking about social and emotion values and learning, 
now becomes whose values? Because I can assure you, it will not be yours. It will be the values of that teacher, that school, that school board, or even worse, some other government agency that is requiring certain values in order to receive funding. If you want to make a generational impact, if you want to make a generational difference, then start showing up at your school board meetings. My wife attended several, and I can tell you parents fighting for their kids makes a huge difference. Now, speaking of showing up at school board meetings, it's also good not to do it alone. Mobilize more than one person to support your cause. We talk a lot about this at the Kingdom Patriot Group, and that's your voice. But truthfully, one voice doesn't really make a difference. Well, unless you're the president of the United States. Well, I I should backtrack because if you're Biden, your voice doesn't really make a difference. No one really understands what you're saying, but I digress. It takes the support. It takes a lot of individuals and a lot of individual voices coming together, singing the same note. Your local politician really is not likely to listen to you express a single concern in a tweet. But if 30 of you show up at a town hall meeting or a rally or a city council meeting and express that same concern, I guarantee you, you will get their attention. So here's another thing you can do. Join a voting league or political organization. I've been more active this year with the Berrien County Right to Life. That's an issue that's near and dear to my heart. And while it's an organization that truly is dedicated to protecting life in the womb, they are also pretty active politically because politics in general has set itself up to oppose life. I volunteered on a congressional campaign as well. Any local campaign would be great experience for you. It allows you to rub shoulders with many other like-minded people and to get to know the true heart of those officials that you're going to be electing. Also, register to act on behalf of a political party. Your political party likely has a local chapter. They all have state chapters, but connect with your county's political party or your, uh, if it's not the county, even the city. You can start learning about events and volunteering, and you will learn more about the candidates through this than you will through TV ads or postcards that you receive in the mail. In fact, you'll probably learn a lot about the ones that you want to support and the ones that maybe you shouldn't, even if they're the ones that are being touted. Make sure that you attend or organize rallies and events. I'm just going to give a national one, for example, the March for Life in Washington. Now, I couldn't go to Washington, so I actually participated in one locally. Now, I couldn't go to Washington, so I participated in one of those locally. Clay and Elliot that we've had on this show were actually in Washington, D.C. on January 6, 2021, and saw the real events unfold quite different from the media. These rallies for politics or other specific purposes or causes are occurring all around you. Make your presence felt, but when I say that, make sure you're safe and make sure you're lawful. Now, here's one that I haven't done yet, but it is on my list, and that's to volunteer to work at a polling place, i.e. where they actually vote. I'm not sure how you go about it at your level, but it all starts with the election commission. And quite frankly, you could probably Google it in your state or your community, but I would really go to your local political office, go to the local Republican office or the Republican chapter, and they'll absolutely tell you how you find this process, how you go about trying to get on the polling place committee, the polling place staff, so that you can help man that during the elections. You can also volunteer to register voters. But before you do that, I just want to say, make sure you're registered to vote. If you're not, this I'm going to, I'm going to move this one up to the very top of the list of what you can do. Place this as item number one. Mr. Priority in making a difference campaign is for you to get registered to vote. And I can also tell you as a freedom-loving American, the liberals are much better at this than we are. They get out the vote. 
In fact, it seems they're always getting thousands of voters registered at the last minute. It may not necessarily be legal, but I know they do it. Christian conservatives need to do a better job helping folks register and get out this vote. Now, you can't do this one without having a registered vote, and that is to actually vote. That sounds elementary, but I'm going to share some numbers here that are going to make you cringe. People who are registered vote don't vote. The people who can have the greatest impact don't do it. From a citizen perspective, from a Christian perspective, there is not a single thing you can do that is more important to make a difference politically in your community. There's no other way to make your voice heard louder than to actually vote. Now, I do get it. A single vote does not make a difference. That's why many stay at home. But if a thousand people say their vote doesn't matter and they stay home, you end up with bad elections. Folks, that's actually why we're partly here today and we're facing the issues that we do. You don't believe me? Did you know that the United States has approximately 95 million evangelical Christians? Do you know how many of those voted in the 2020 election? According to the Baptist Press, 30 million of those evangelical Christians either are not registered to vote or they were but did not vote. Either way, at least 30 million evangelical Christians did not vote. And based on the surveys, and I don't know why this isn't 100%, based on the surveys, 70% of evangelical Christians vote Republican and 30% vote for Democrat. Well, let's just say that those 30 million who didn't vote had voted. That means that Trump, out of when you tally the votes for Biden and the votes for Trump, Trump would have had a net gain of 12 million votes if those 30 million evangelical Christians had voted. He would have had a net gain of 12 million votes. Do you remember how much Trump lost by? Exactly. It was less than that. 7 million votes. Trump lost by 7.1 million votes. If the 30 million Christians would have just voted, we would not be in the mess that we are in today with this disaster of an administration. Okay, I see shared videos every day of one-year-old Johnny falling asleep with his face in his birthday cake. If you can share that video, surely you can share the grid with your friends and neighbors. Post it on Facebook, like it on YouTube, share it on Twitter, email it, text it. And for goodness sake, hit that like button and give us a five-star rating when you listen. Thank you for joining the fight for faith and freedom. Here's another thing also that can really impact on how to get involved because it's really just educating you, and that's reading up on American history, reading up on civics, political education. But let's start about just reading up. Hillsdale College is a fantastic resource. They have free material out there. They have courses. You actually go through courses where they have lectures. It's all free. You just go to hillsdale.edu, and then you click on online courses, and they show you all the different ones they have from the Founding Fathers, to other political items. It's really quite fantastic. Um, I would encourage you to read the Declaration of Independence. Read the Constitution. When you see the Supreme Court rule on cases, read the majority and dissenting opinions. You will learn a ton just from that. When you read the majority opinion on the Dobbs case that overturned Roe v. Wade, you truly learn just how bad the case law was around Roe. It was horrendous. Overturning Roe was not just a moral issue. It was a constitutional issue. And the left has been a, in a frenzy screaming about that decision. But when you read the opinion, you truly understand that this was a supposed right that was never embedded in the Constitution, nor in the history or the culture of our country. It was completely made up out of thin air. And when you read the Supreme Court opinion, that becomes incredibly apparent. Educate yourself politically. 
And this means reading CNN articles just as much as Fox News or The Daily Wire. Subscribe to podcasts. I like listening to Ted Cruz because he's there on the ground, boots on the ground in the Senate, and I find out a lot more of what's going on and the process behind it than I otherwise would. Subscribe to publications and websites. In fact, here's my plug. Subscribe to our free emails and our alerts by going to kingdompatriot.us and fill in the prompt for your email. Go to your podcast platform and follow our podcast, The Grid, which is our weekly podcast where we talk about faith, politics, and commerce. And lastly, and I know this sounds cliche, but pray. Prayer moves the hand of God. Without it, we're just spinning our wheels. Pray where the Lord would have you get involved because you can't do all these things I just listed unless you're in full-time politics. But you can pray for our leaders. You can pray that they would come to know Christ. Pray that they would repent from supporting wicked policies. Pray that God relents judgment on our nation for our detestable practices and that he would grant mercy and bring about not only repentance, but also healing and restoration. Pray for the peace of our nation. These things are important right now, right in this moment. Because we just finished the midterm election cycle, there's a tendency to take a breath, to relax, to ponder, and not do anything. But in reality, the results of the 2020 election, the results of the 2022 midterm elections, these are a culmination of lack of activity, lack of engagement, and a lack of involvement by God's people. We didn't really fail in the election. That was just the fruit. We failed all during the time that was the preparation for the election. That's what we need to focus on. Right here, right now. So let's make a difference together. Now hopefully this gives you just a few ideas on how you can become involved, how you can make an impact, how your voice can be heard. Be active. Be bold. Join us in the fight for faith and freedom. And I do want to say lastly, if you have any additional questions or comments, please feel free. We'd love to dialogue with you. Reach out to us at admin at kingdompatriot.us. That's admin at kingdompatriot.us. Until next time. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Grid. And special thanks to our sponsor, America First Insurance Group. Be sure to visit our website at kingdompatriot.us to join the movement of faith and freedom. That's kingdompatriot.us. Join today so that together we can make a difference. Your membership is appreciated, your input is valued, and your voice is needed. I'm Chris Coleman, and I am a Kingdom Patriot. Mm-hmm.